Welcome to the Enrollment Insights Podcast. I'm Will Patch, Enrollment Marketing Leader at Niche. In this podcast, my goal is to focus less on the promise of best practices, instead look for the processes and the questions that spark internal reflection and lead to novel solutions tailored to your institution. My guest today is Brian Albertson. Brian is the Assistant Director of Regional Recruitment at Illinois State University. You might know Brian from his role at Illinois ACAC as Chair of the College Fair Committee, or in a more broad-reaching role as co-leader of the NACAC Special Interest Group for college fair coordinators. We have a different direction we're going to talk about today, and I think you'll learn a lot. So welcome, and thanks for making time to chat today, Brian. Thanks for having me, Will. Excited to be here. Well, I'm going to start off here with two questions that I ask everybody. So first up, what's something you tried that didn't work, and what did you learn? <laughs> That's a great question, and uh, as many of your other podcast guests have said, um, you know, the list goes on and on. And, you know, as I was thinking of, about this question, you know, the, the, the list grows pretty quickly of things that, you know, ideas I've had, and I'm sure other people would agree with this, ideas that we've had that ultimately didn't work out. And, and typically there's a lesson with those. So the one that I'm going to focus on today uh, actually happened a couple of years ago as we were training admissions counselors before a fall travel season. I had the idea that it would be great if we helped the admissions counselors by having a structure to hold a conversation. Through my research and through, you know, putting some materials together, created an acronym for this structure. And, you know, it was very laid out of, you know, an introduction and, you know, kind of a getting to know you and more asking about their college search and then having some kind of ending to the conversation of moving them to the next step in the process, whether that's, you know, to inquire, to apply, to visit. And as we started implementing it, I came to the realization that, you can't structure conversations with students. Can you guide the conversation? Absolutely. But you need to have an organic conversation with a human being. And so in my attempt to be helpful to our admissions counselors and our admissions staff in creating an easy way to make sure you're hitting all of your points, it almost became too formalized. And so um, I think walking away from that experience and also thinking back on that experience, again, it, 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 this is an organic process. This is a human process. Um, you know, that is the role of an admissions counselor is to have a human connection with a student. And what we know about this process, too, is it is emotions based and it's all about that connection with the people and the campus. And so going off of that, that was that was a very good lesson and, you know, something I've taken with me forward and, you know, in my career. What was it that made you realize, ooh, this isn't going to work? Was there a single thing or was it just watching the, the conversations go on? You know, honestly, it, it failed pretty much right out of the gate. Even just trying to explain it to our staff and really saying, okay, you know, this is, this is how it's going to go. The moment you try and put that into practice, it's very difficult to guide a conversation in that way. And so even, you know, trying to say, okay, this is the theory behind of what we're going to do and this is why we're going to do it. This is how we're going to do it. As soon as you try and go out and have a conversation, you know, oftentimes we're having conversations with students where they have specific questions they want to ask. And that's, you know, that is their agenda. There wasn't necessarily a single point, but it was just even difficult to implement because, again, this is an organic process that we recruit students. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I mean, it's nice when things can scale. In this case, it didn't. But what practices are you using to brainstorm and then bring ideas like this into your work? I am someone who is very passionate about continual learning. And I think that is something that I push, you know, my team to do is to continually learn not only about themselves, but also about the profession, other institutions, other ways of thinking. And so I have a pretty aggressive, you know, way of going about this in terms of, you know, getting my hands on any kind of information, such as different podcasts like this one. Uh, so um, love your podcast, Will. Thanks. And so <laughs> blogs, websites, webinars, different professional development resources, and quite honestly, just reading as much as possible. We are absolutely kindred spirits on this one. I think if you look at anyone who's been in the profession and been in the profession successfully for a long period of time, you'll see the same theme, that you need to keep up to date, look for a variety of resources, don't just always go to the same place for your information, but it's all about continual growth, this dedication to being better than you were the day before. I think it is so valuable to learn about ideas and topics that you haven't, you know, you might not know everything about. And I don't try and become an expert in it, but I usually want to just get to know about a certain topic. And so I think even within that, there are times where I read something or I am learning something that I don't necessarily agree with, because I even think that can lead to learning moments and also ideas that I might not have come across if I only stayed in my lane and read things and watched things that I agree with. So I think I think that's really important is learning even about things that you don't necessarily agree with or you're not familiar with. The other part of this process is working with my team to flesh these ideas out. And my team often hears my ideas and even when they're not even fleshed out at all. One of the things I appreciate about them is that I'm able to go to them about these ideas. They're able to come to me and our team about ideas um, and say, hey, I was thinking about this one specific area. What do you think? What if we tried this? And so I appreciate that I have that outlet and that they have that outlet. And I think that's all about cultivating a culture of change and new ideas and also building a safe environment for people to share those ideas. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of one of my goals as well when brainstorming new ideas and bringing new new ideas to the table. Hey, I'm going to pull out the old soapbox here for a second. This is so critical to being a good leader, to being a good coworker. We need to create spaces where it's okay to make mistakes, to try new things, to bounce ideas. It has to be acceptable to fail. It has to be acceptable to pitch new ideas. Of course, we can't implement all of those ideas. Um, and it's not always because, you know, it's not a good idea. It's just, it might not be the right time. And so we, I have a, a pretty long list at this point in uh, Microsoft OneNote um, of different ideas. And so that's, you know, I think really important as well is if you are a leader, you are responsible for, you know, thinking outside the box and, you know, being able to hold on to those ideas and, you know, maybe pull them out in the next three months, six months, year, maybe two years or longer. Mm -hmm. The last thing I would say, and I think this is extremely important as a leader as well, is I, and this is specific to me and what I know about myself, you know, with StrengthsFinder, many of, many of your listeners are probably aware of StrengthsFinder. 
One of my strengths is being an activator. And so one of the questions that I often ask when a decision is made, an idea is brought up and, you know, the, the decision is, yep, we're going to go with it. My first reaction is, when can we get started? What's the next step? Who's going to take the lead on this? And so I think oftentimes there's an appetite for developing new ideas, but it's very difficult for organizations to actually change and transform into those ideas. And so, you know, I would challenge people out there as well of, you know, it's not just about the brainstorming of those ideas. It's also putting those into action and finding people who are going to be able to, to execute those. So you have this one note. I'm guessing I, I don't even want to try to imagine how many pages it would be if you printed it, right? Mm-hmm. If you do want to start trying some of those new things and testing them, how do you know what you need to set aside that you're doing now or what do we cut out so that we can do this new thing because i think that's that's a constant struggle you know we can't keep adding things yeah and will i think that's a a whole part of assessment you know assessing what you're currently doing finding what is working maybe what is kind of working and also what's not working we implemented slate this fall and so we were you know, looking for ways to simplify that process, find a way that staff are going to be able to go to one location for their email, text messages within our CRM, rather than having to to juggle Outlook, Slate, different, you know, different programs that we're expecting staff to go to. And so we kind of were able to say, okay, if we're able to implement Slate Inbox, that will cut out time from staff having to juggle multiple different programs. Make it a one-stop. Well, hey, I mean, talking about assessment, you have to know what you want to measure and you have to know how to measure it. And I think that is a nice segue into talking about goals. Yes, uh, So is. when you work with staff, <laughs> when you work with staff to set goals in general, how do you go about setting those goals? Is it all their goals and what they want to do? Are there goals that you're helping them set based on the potential and ability that you see in them? You know, I I love this question. I am a very much a goals-oriented person, and that really was developed my time in graduate school. I've been doing that basically ever since, um, and, and it's kind of a, a yearly process where I sit down myself, think about, you know, what are the things that we're going to accomplish as a team in the next year, and then being able to also give agency to my team to say, Okay, what goals, you know, do you see within yourself? And so it's more of a collaborative process, I would say, of while, you know, I am their supervisor and able to provide organizational goals, I also want to be responsive to what goals they have in terms of their position and also their career. And so there's certainly times where a team member will have a goal that is specific to maybe learning something that's not within their skill set right now. Or there's a specific part of their role that they really want to focus on in this next year that they haven't been able to focus on previously. Uh, And so it really is a collaborative process and being able to, you know, make sure that our team, but also they as a staff member are successful. I think there's really four core types of goals. And if you're not already doing this, this works for anyone. If you're working in marketing and enrollment, student services and K-12 and higher ed and grad school, this will work for you. So think about what are goals that are going to drive your institution forward. So thinking about your enrollment goals, your visit goals, your application goals. Think about what are your goals that drive your office forward. So what about new technologies, new processes? What's going to help everyone do their job better? What are the goals that are going to improve the student experience? 
So how are you going to be helping students navigate the application process, maybe improve their visit experience? And then what are your goals to improve yourself? What new skills are you going to learn? What new conferences are you going to attend? How are you going to help others? Because you're helping others, you're helping yourself. So write those down, keep them posted. Those will really help you. Yeah. For their goals that are more qualitative, how do you go about setting, here's how we're going to assess it, and then here's how we're going to make sure that you're supported and meeting that? The assessment of any goal is probably the most important part of goal setting at, at the get-go, is being able to then assess those goals. Because we don't know if we've been successful if we don't assess those. When we're looking at some of those qualitative goals or goals that are a little bit less quantifiable, one of the things I like to do is set different target dates for those goals. And this is something that, you know, I've, I've done, you know, on and off and um, I've come back to it um, because I just think it is so important in being able to, on a more consistent basis, align ourselves with what we said our goals were, but being able to go back and say, okay, how am I actually making progress towards these goals? And am I on pace to meet this goal? by the end of the year, whether that's May 1st, June 1st, July 1st in your calendar. Those check-ins are especially important when we're talking about newer staff. Entry-level staff, they are working every day to answer the phone, do the e email, you know, the different tasks you're tasking them with, but how do we make them successful by aligning them back to the goals that we set for them in the first place? I know one of the types of goals that you work with your team on are DEI or equity goals. What are they, I guess, first? And, and why have you started including those? I'll start with why I started including them. First and foremost, I want to put out there that by no means am I an expert in this area. And also, I am an unfinished person. I am still learning every day in the areas of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so the the reason why I started this, you know, this practice of including diversity, equity, and inclusion goals for my team as well as myself really came out of this summer. Um, after the killing of George Floyd and others, I thought, what is it that I can do within my control to make a difference? And I think oftentimes when we try to make a difference, we try to do a lot. You know, we, we think about changing the world and you know, making a wholesale change or, you know, a huge transformational change, but it might be better to maybe start on a smaller scale. And so kind of going back to that strengths finder activator strength of mine, I said, okay, I need to do something. And so really what I found is including these goals is one way that I can make a change for the better. And so when we think about those goals, we're trying to bring the macro down to the micro and how can we make those changes? And if anyone's familiar with chaos theory, uh, you may be familiar with the butterfly effect. What that, that butterfly effect asserts is that small changes will ultimately have a larger effect. Um, and I think that is super important when you're thinking about goals in general is what small changes can I make within what I am doing to affect change on a larger scale? 
So one of my favorite books that discusses the chaos theory and butterfly effect, if you want to kind of go in a, in a little bit of a deeper dive into that area, is Margaret J. Wheatley's uh, Leadership in the New Science. And two of the main tenets within that book is really that everything is connected. And so again, you know, thinking about what happened in the summer, how can I be, con- you know, I am connected to that and how can I find a way to make changes, but then also chaos and change are the only way to transformation. As I think about transforming the world, doing the butterfly effect, making small changes on a level is ultimately going to help. And so that was kind of how this came about. That was an extended answer to that. But as you know, we think about what diversity, equity and inclusion goals are, you know, it is finding ways to become more culturally responsive also culturally sensitive and understanding of people from diverse backgrounds. But it's also looking at ourselves and understanding who we are as human beings and how we impact others. Uh, And then I would say the third area would be the areas of looking at your organization and the processes within an organization and being able to look at those and say, okay, are these the most inclusive ways that we can be having a process work? Are these inclusive types of programming opportunities or communications that we're sending out? Or Mm -hmm. those are a few examples of ways that these diversity, equity, and inclusion goals can be implemented. Again, whether that is becoming more understanding and educating yourself, also self-reflection, and then the organizational and process-oriented ways of uh, looking at this. Would it be helpful to you know, talk about specific DEI goals at this point? That's exactly what I was going to ask. Okay, perfect. (laughs) Specific diversity, equity, and inclusion goals, for example, would be sending out educational resources for my staff to learn more about diverse student populations who are traditionally underrepresented in higher education. And so raising that consciousness level to those diverse identities and how we as staff can better work with people from all backgrounds. That is one specific goal uh, that I have. Um, Another specific goal that one of my staff members has, um, and Will, this is a little bit more of a qualitative one, is making sure that students are getting responses to their questions from different units across campus. How many staff do you work with? You work with all regional, right? Yes. So I uh, supervise two regionally based staff here in Chicago. And so we cover a large part of the freshman class that enrolls at the university. And so we cover the Chicagoland area, including the city of Chicago. Okay. So you're very much of your environment there. You're working directly with students who are all having similar types of experiences, I guess, depending on what part of Chicago and the Chicagoland area you're, you're working with. How much do you and your staff get involved in the local community and and issues there? That is something that we're always looking at. And one of the core values of our university is civic engagement and getting involved in the community. One of the ways we've started to really bridge that gap between even Illinois State University, you know, as a as a team in Chicago and in the community is getting involved with community based organizations. They have been great partners in helping students not only apply to the university, enroll at the university, 
matriculate and eventually graduate from the institution. We have really put in a concerted effort over the last year or so to really start to build those partnerships up because we know that what happens in the community uh, will also affect what happens with admissions and enrollment at the university. And so if we can plug ourselves into different community-based organizations throughout Chicagoland, we're going to have a, a really good idea of you know, how that might be impacting higher education overall, but also what's happening with you know, students at the university. So how do you make sure that these goals are actually measurable and actionable and they just don't exist to allow staff to pat themselves on the back? Yeah, you know, we, we need to make sure that goals are measurable and that they're also met. You know, one of the one of the ways, of course, is quantitatively. And so some of our goals, for example, outreach to different underrepresented groups. Um, we're able to track that within Slate, our CRM. Uh, and so that that's a little bit more of a, a, again, an easier way to track that information. But also one of the ways that I like to assess that is through a qualitative piece at the end of the year, ultimately. And, and that's more of a, a final uh, kind of evaluation of, of meeting the goals. The way that we get there, though, again, we're, we're taking checkpoints throughout the year. Uh, and so we are doing a once a month goals review. And it's not, you know, saying, okay, what, what have you accomplished? Um, you know, and, and you know, a, a harsh look at that, but it's just saying, okay, how far along are you with this goal? And where do you need to spend a little bit more time? As we've been doing those, we've been able to say, okay, you know, you've made really good progress within this area, but maybe we need to focus on a, another goal, or maybe we need to pivot with this goal. Maybe this goal. Uh, can change. And I think that's a really important too with goals in general, knowing that you can change them, right? Um, if it's not meeting your needs or you may find a different need, it's pivoting and being able to update those. So at the end of the year, um, I, I love asking my staff, you know, for more qualitative feedback on how they feel that, you know, they have made progress towards their goals. And so they, they do a self-reflection activity. And then essentially I would provide feedback as well based on, on the, those goals. But I think those, those monthly check-ins are especially important when thinking about the assessment and the ongoing assessment. You know, we talk about strategic plans often and the, you know, the typical saying is strategic plans shouldn't be placed on a binder on a shelf somewhere. They should be living, breathing documents. Well, so should your goals, right? Um, and so in my home office, I have my goals hanging up and you can see them. And so even when I'm coming back from lunch, when I'm coming in for the day, I'm viewing those goals and being able to look at those and have them top of mind. And that's what's um, helping you be successful in attaining those. So wait, you're telling me that you shouldn't have a strategic plan and then three to five years, blow the dust off of it and just update <laughs> some things? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, that that is one of the things that I think us in higher education, we are very good at planning. I think when you are in the day to day, though, it's difficult to rise above and remember that entire context that you're working for. And I think kind of going back to, you know, that chaos theory, right? There is contextual information within these goals that, you know, we're working towards something larger, right? We're working, you know, it's not just, you know, responding to every email in your inbox or every phone message that you have. 
you're working towards larger goals, whether that is enrollment goals or diversity, equity, and inclusion goals, right? And so you're working within this context of working towards something larger. And so, yeah, I, I, I definitely think your goals should be one of those things that you have posted up in your office and that you are, you know, continually reviewing. I think you said it really well early on that you're a work in progress, just like all of us. You know, you can't say, you know, I've done this thing. I've, I've learned X. I made X change. You know, I'm going to plant my flag and cheer myself on for this great work. You know, it's, it's organic. It has to be constantly adapting, constantly learning and growing. And that's, that's exactly where equity is. As soon as we get complacent, we're no longer equitable. Absolutely. You know, one thing I would I would add, kind of going back to the, you know, what diversity, equity, inclusion goals are. If you're looking for resources for implementing, you read you know, my mind. <laughs> <laughs> if you're looking for resources, you know, in terms of implementing some type of diversity, equity, and inclusion goal, you know, here I am being an activator, right? What are your next steps? Uh, here's your homework. <laughs> the The way that I started to create a framework for these was through ACPA and NASPA. They're, they are the two main student affairs professional organizations. And by trade, I, I am a student affairs uh, trained professional in admissions, which are some, sometimes rare to find. And so they have these professional competency areas that are really good at helping provide framework for professional staff. They put them into different uh, domains, essentially. Diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, and, and that's what they called it when I was in school. They, they've since changed the name in the most recent edition, uh, which is now titled Social Justice and Inclusion. And within that, within that description area, they're talking about is um, this competency involves student affairs educators or you know, higher education staff at, at large who have a sense of their own agency and social responsibility that includes others, their communities, and their larger global context. And so I think that kind of falls right in line. They have foundational competencies, intermediate competencies, and advanced competencies. These are not necessarily goals. They don't have action steps associated with them. They certainly don't have deadlines on them. Um, so this is just a place to start. I'd recommend you take a look at that and we'll include that in the uh, resources for the podcast. But you know, I would take a look at that, try and think about what ways can I put in some quantitative or qualitative goals within this framework. Um, and then, yeah, set some check-ins, set some deadlines of when you want to have those goals completed. And then also, yeah, like you said, Will, like it's not just a, it's not just a check mark, right? These are things we're always working towards. Yeah. Well, thank you, Brian. This is, I, I like, I like the homework. You make my job too easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If someone wants to follow up and, and say, Hey, I'd, I'd love to learn more about those. Can I talk to you some about that? Uh, how can people get in touch? Yeah, absolutely. I would love that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brian A, B-R-I-A-N-A underscore I-S-U. You can also email me. My email is, is very simple. It's Albertson, uh, my last name, at IllinoisState.edu. And I'd love to uh, chat with you all. Well, thank you, Brian, so much again. Stay safe out there and, and, and looking forward to chatting again. Great. Thanks, Will. Thanks, Will.